Hi, it's Jamie Younger. This is If You Knew Me, a podcast where we share powerful stories from the inner lives of women, however they identify. As many of you know, we recently decided to shift from publishing one story each week to publishing one story each month. And I must say, it already feels like a better tempo for us. We hope that when we pop up in your podcast feed or when you receive our monthly newsletter, it feels like a special package has arrived. If you're new to listening, we're so happy to have you. Our mission here with If You Knew Me is to improve women's well-being through the power of story. We believe that when women tell, share, document, and elevate their experiences, they acknowledge their realities, their dreams, and their needs. And all of that culminates into improved well-being. Today we have a story from Stephanie Springer. Stephanie is the co-host of the Mother Plus podcast, a co-producer of the live storytelling event, Listen to Your Mother, a writer and a music therapist. Stephanie's story is about one of the biggest life questions that we all face. What should I actually be doing with my life? What is my work in this world? And am I doing it? For many years, Stephanie had a decent job. She actually designed it herself. She liked it, sort of. But for years, she felt the pull to change her career. Her only problem was that she didn't know how. And she didn't know what to do next. Stephanie is a performer and a singer. She blends sincerity and humor in such a beautiful way. I think you're really going to enjoy spending time with her. Stephanie's story is entitled, I Kept Losing My Voice. I've sort of been at a career precipice, kind of since COVID lockdown began, sort of before, but right now is sort of the moment when the situation has really kind of hit its peak. So I'm a board-certified music therapist. I went to college for music therapy and music education. And so for the past 22 years, half my life, I'm 44, I've been working primarily as an early childhood music therapist. And what that has looked like for me since having children 16 years ago has been part-time work teaching programs for infants through kindergartners and their caregivers. Sometimes it's parent-child music classes. Sometimes it's at a facility like a preschool. And I show up and I bring my guitar and all my instruments and I sing and we do very purposeful music experiences. And I'm Miss Stephanie. That's what the children have always called me. And so I'm Miss Stephanie. And I love it. And yet I've been longing to step back from that for quite a few years, mainly because my interest in writing in a variety of different ways, it's been wanting to take center stage, that desire to prioritize my work as a writer, a podcaster, a producer of a live storytelling show, um, an editor of a community for women who are writing at midlife. And I've been struggling for years to sort of juggle these two elements of my public self and recently made the decision to stop teaching the majority of my early childhood music classes in order to focus on writing and storytelling.
I started writing regularly when my second daughter was born. She's 11. So probably about 10 years ago. That's when I started my blog. And shortly thereafter, I auditioned to be part of a production called Listen to Your Mother Denver. I was a cast member and I got to read a story that I had written. And a few years later, I took over as being the producer of the Boulder Colorado version of that show, Listen to Your Mother Boulder. And I think that is when I was like, oh, I want to be doing this more than I want to be doing music class. This is what lights me up. So I think that when I started to get more involved in the storytelling aspect of my career, oh my gosh, that was like six or seven years ago that I was like, I wish I could do this all the time. You know, and I felt really guilty about it because that wasn't my primary income. You know, I need to contribute to my family. It wasn't what I went to college for. It wasn't what I had been doing. And it felt like this real conflict of doing this work as a music therapist and what I was really longing to do, which was spending all of my time with words. The conflict was always only partially financial. Like, yes, that's how I brought in, you know, kind of my percentage of our family income. You know, my income varied depending on how many participants I had each session. That was stressful, but I could generally count on, I teach this many classes a week, I bring in this much money. Whereas, you know, the show that I produced was only once a year, right? So that was just a portion of the year. I was doing a little bit of freelance writing, but it wasn't bringing in a lot of money. But I think the conflict had more to do with, you know, number one, making this giant leap that wasn't a sure thing in terms of financial responsibility. Because I was also, I felt very responsible, you know, as Miss Stephanie, the children, you know, they'd show up at preschool on Tuesday. This is the day Miss Stephanie comes. Like, I knew I was making a difference in kids' lives. And I loved doing that. And I did love doing the work. Um, my favorite part almost was helping the children to feel special, right? I, I'm really great at memorizing names. And so I use their names as much as possible. So I'm talking to them during class. I'm acknowledging what they're doing. I'm letting them know that this person who's probably their first teacher for many of them knows you and she sees you and she thinks you're special. But then I really started to also connect with the parents. And that became, I think, even more of a spark for me especially when I was able to witness parents who were struggling with ambivalence in particular or loneliness or frustration with their children or parenting in general, because that's the stuff that I write about. And so I found that that was sparking more of my interest was, let's talk about motherhood. Let's talk about our identities. Let's talk about the stuff that I love to write about. But I felt this sort of like I was duty bound to showing up as this role, not just to provide financially for my family, but also because you know, I'd been embedded in these communities providing this service of a predictable routine, a schedule of music class and connection, right? And I felt like I owed that to the communities that I've been a part of for so long. When I did start blogging and when I did start participating in Listen to Your Mother, I certainly wasn't like a huge deal, but I had, you know, like 17,000 Facebook followers on my page. I'd been blogging for a while. I had some viral pieces. I sort of had worked on a brand in that arena as well. The Miss Stephanie brand, so to speak, um, was one that was very giving. 
nurturing, predictable, maternal, whereas being a writer felt like this selfish pursuit, right? It was very creative. I loved doing it. It felt like it fed this real desire of mine. While I enjoyed and still do enjoy teaching my music classes, that felt like a different part of myself, right? It felt like being pulled in two different directions. This is one of my simultaneously favorite and least favorite stories. I wrote a piece about it and I have not talked publicly yet about wanting to write this book, but this story that I'm about to tell you is like kind of a big part of it. I was taking a road trip with my children by myself. My husband was staying here in Colorado for work. My youngest was two. My oldest was seven. And the three of us piled into the minivan for what would be a 25-hour round trip, road trip, basically so that I could go say goodbye to my childhood home. My parents were selling the house that I grew up from the time I was 13 on. I feel like that was like my childhood home when I think about, you know, where did you come from? And I needed to see it one more time because I am sort of a nostalgia junkie and I needed to be there one more time. And it also happened that my grandmother was going to be moving out of her home into assisted living. And so this felt like this really important, like sentimental pilgrimage, like an excavation. And I needed to do it. And it was spring break. And I brought my kids and I was like, it was twofold. It was like, I've got to go revisit this part of my childhood, right? Say goodbye to these homes that were like deeply meaningful to me during my formative years. But I also am this mom with two young kids and I can do this, right? My toddler was going through what we now call her, oh, fuck stage. Obviously, she learned that word from me, but she would like drop something and be like, oh, fuck. And so I'm driving my minivan and she's in the backseat like squashing up her goldfish crackers and watching DVDs and going, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And I'm like, okay, Sophie, you may say, oh, fuck, while we are in this car. You may not say, oh, fuck, in front of Grandma Myrtle. Do you understand? Yep, she did. She did not say, oh, fuck, in front of Grandma Myrtle. But I'm like, I am a solo parent right now. My toddler's not going to use profanity. My oldest child isn't going to have a meltdown. I'm not going to have a meltdown. We've got all the snacks. We've got all the shit. Like, this is going to be great. And for the most part, the trip was great. And the wheels fell off the wagon on the very last night. I'd been writing online for probably about gosh, two years at this point. And I was like in it, right? I loved it. I'm blogging all the time. I'm establishing my brand online and I'm writing and I'm feeling creative, but I'm also a mom of two little girls. I'm also Miss Stephanie teaching classes when I'm not on break. And so like everything was sort of bubbling under the surface. So the last night of this road trip, we got into some really terrible wind driving through the Midwest. And my oldest daughter had a serious wind phobia. And so we ended up pulling off for the night like an hour before I'd planned because like she couldn't handle anymore. Like the car sort of blowing around on the freeway. She's in this like sensory deprivation blanket tent in the back seat. And I'm like, okay, we're stopping. We get all of our stuff. Like we open the minivan and like shit is blowing everywhere. And we've got like a portable potty seat and a bed rail and stuffed animals and 
our suitcase and our pillows. We're like walking against the wind to get into this hotel. And we finally make it in and we start laughing like, we did it, we did it. And I'm thinking it's going to be this like really triumphant moment. And then I see this man sort of staggering around the hallway and he scared me. Like I'm a woman alone with my two kids and I'm like, this dude is messed up on something. I couldn't get the room key to work. I couldn't get in. I'm dropping stuff. I'm like certain this man is going to come and just like, I don't know, murder us. So I finally get the door open. We go crashing through the door. Grapes spill everywhere. I catch my shirt on the door handle and like bang my shoulder in. And then I just started sobbing like uncontrollably. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. I cannot be this mom who has her hand in all these pots. I'm flappable. I felt like such a failure for falling apart in front of my kids like that. And I was up all night and I started thinking about like all the things I'm responsible for and all the things I'm not doing well enough. I can feel as I'm telling you this story, I can feel the stress in my body as I'm remembering what that night felt like. This night of like, I can't do this. I cannot do all these things. I'm not cut out for this. Um, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't want to be a full-time working mom. I have to teach these classes because this is how I earn money, but I want to do all these other things. And it was just sort of like I'd been scraped down to this most primal part of myself. And I was just like, oh, this is too much. I can't keep doing all this. I woke up the next morning and I drove us five hours home and we made it and we cheered. But like that story is like sort of embedded in my mother lore, for lack of a better word. That was my first dark night of the soul. And it was years ago. And it was that like something's got to give, right? But I just kept my head down and I just fucking kept going. Like, no, no, I can do all these things. Um, And then when COVID happened, I felt... Like, I think we all did. I don't feel like this is shameful to admit. I think there are a lot of us who are like, oh, sweet. I can just like, no more dance class for the kids, no more piano lessons, no more going out of the house to work. Like, we can just hibernate. This is so great, right? And of course, we all went through phases with that. But I was like, I taught one Zoom music class a week, right? It was from my house. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is terrific. And when I went back to work teaching music class, it started with just like, two classes a week outside for 30 minutes. And then I never really added more classes back. And I was like, this is great. I really like teaching less. What else can I do during this time? And then, interestingly, last June, we were grieving about a few things. My mother-in-law died. And one of my children had a very turbulent year of school. And so by the end of May, I just felt broken down. And I got sick and I lost my voice. And then three months later, I got sick and I lost my voice and I kept getting sick and I kept losing my voice and I had to cancel work or I wouldn't cancel it. I would just show up with like laryngitis and sing like a chain smoking lounge singer and then my voice would get worse. And I got COVID for the third time, despite having all the boosters and what have you. And it was like my body finally got the memo, which Maybe the memo is you physically can't do this anymore, or I know you don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to make it impossible. Like, do you get the message yet? Stop singing. Stop teaching your classes. This isn't what you want to do. It is time 
to listen to your body. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to that like, oh yeah, keep pushing me. See how far you can push me until I push back and I say no. And it was finally this most recent illness, having COVID at the end of January, where I was like, I need to be done. I need to be done teaching these music classes and I need to focus on what I actually want to do. And I am damaging my singing voice and I don't want to do that. And so I did. I I just, I quit. And I feel really guilty saying this like on the airwaves because I feel really jubilant. I don't feel conflicted anymore. I went home and, and I wrote a thank you note to Miss Stephanie, to like my Miss Stephanie part that was like, oh my God, you did so great. Like, look what you did. You know, you spent over 20 years. You created your own curriculum. You kept expanding it. You added classes. You added brand new programming to these rec centers when they never had anything for one-year-olds. You did all this groundbreaking stuff. You impacted like thousands of people's lives. You did so great. You don't have to do it anymore. Like you can put it down. You get to do something different now. And I just felt at peace with it. I lost both my mother-in-law and my father-in-law within a period of two years. And along with their deaths, we gained some financial stability. And for a while, I felt really guilty saying that out loud, right? Like, oh, you know, my husband's parents died and it's not like we're just rolling in money. But like we had family properties, right, that we were able to sell. I had this guilt about saying it. And then someone said something so beautiful to me recently because I love my mother-in-law. I loved her so much. She was such a special person. And I feel like she really saw me and I didn't have to be like a certain way around her, right? I didn't have to be this perfectly composed person. And I can't even remember who said this to me, like, wow, she would be so happy to know that she helped give you some financial freedom so that you were able to do this thing that you really want to do. And I was like, oh my God, yes, that is a huge gift. I'm not just going to like put my feet up and coast for the rest of my life. I can't do that, but it gives me a cushion, right? There's some space. So while I'm figuring out what am I going to do to supplement my income, but I get to do it in a way that I really want to, right? Like maybe we'll be able to somehow monetize the podcast and maybe I'll add a second show that I produce. And I'm going to start writing this book that I had the idea to write on this road trip that all went to hell. I want to go visit every place I've ever lived because we moved around a lot when I was a child. I went to go say goodbye to my childhood home, but actually I want to go to the house where I was born and I want to go to the house where I was a toddler and I want to go to my college campus and I want to go visit every house I've ever lived in and I want to write a book about it. I had this great idea, but like I couldn't do it. I didn't have time. I didn't have space. My kids were little. I couldn't afford to just quit my job. And now I'm in this place and I'm like, I don't have to teach for financial reasons at this moment. I have some space. Now I get to write this book, you know? Like now I get to be creative. So yes, I do need to bring in money for my family, but I've got a minute where I can figure it out, right? And I get to do it a different way. I get to pause and this time to sort of pause and decide what I really want to do. It feels a little scary. Really great though.
the book could be a total disaster for one. And isn't it funny what invisible things are scary to us? So as I said, I'm 44 and you know, we all have the inner critic and mine is like, okay, you went to college to do this thing. Like you had this normal job, like a normal person. Why do you have to do all this weird shit? Like, why can't you just like go to work and have a job like everyone else? Like, why are you teaching a little music class and doing some voice lessons and doing some writing and doing this podcast and producing this show? Like, oh my God, can't you just like do a thing like a normal person? And so I think that's sort of the fear element is like, what a weirdo who spent half her life doing this one thing and is now just like going to do something else. And I think that's the midlife part that grew up in a traditional Midwest Scandinavian Lutheran family where we did things a certain way, right? And this feels very wild. And so I think the fear is probably fear of judgment. I think that one of the reasons I didn't write it, I didn't really know what the point was yet, right? I was like, oh, what a cool idea, but like, so what? I think when you're writing memoir, there is this very real fear or a paranoia or a concern that like, who the hell do you think you are? I use the word navel gazing all the time in sort of a cheeky self-deprecating way because like how navel gazing to just go reflect on yourself because you're so special and what a self-indulgent thing to do. But I've been working with a therapist. I've been in therapy for like my whole life. I love therapy. Not my whole life since I was like, I don't know, an adult right before I had a baby, I think. So I was probably 28. I've worked with a handful of therapists as I've moved and my life circumstances have changed. This therapist that I've been working with uses internal family systems. That's her paradigm. I don't even mean to do it, but I use the word parts all the time. Now, you've probably heard me say this part and that part. That's what IFS is. It talks about like your different parts. And so as I'm doing this work and I'm identifying like, oh, I've got this rule following part and I've got this procrastinating part and I've got this lazy daydreamer part. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what the book is about. I will retrace my steps. I have this weird neurotic need to like retrace my steps, follow breadcrumbs, right? And I will go back to these places that birthed me, so to speak. And I will follow these parts of myself and like sort of figure out when and where and why they came into being. And I think the bottom line with this book is, yes, this is my story of retracing my steps and sort of putting myself back together. But I want it more than that to be permission to other people that like, Doing your own work, whether it's writing a memoir or going to therapy or just figuring something out about you, whether it's like looking into your ancestral lineage, whatever it is, like all of this stuff is worthy of exploration. It's worth doing. It's not selfish. It's not wild. It's not impulsive. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is all of those things. Do it. Here, I'm going to do it and you should do it too. It's not a bunch of self-indulgent navel-gazing crap to try to figure out why we are the way we are. And in fact, it's actually really profound work and it's work worthy of doing. And so that's how I finally decided now is the right time for this book. Yes, I have the time and the space to do it, but I also understand what I actually want to do with it. I've talked about this to some of my best friends and family members, but I have not made a so-called public declaration like, hello world, I quit my job and I'm writing a book. So now there are no take backs. I'm bound, bound to my book. The first step has been 
taking all of these loose threads and putting them in one place, right? My index cards, my car notebooks, my computer, my journals, all the ideas that I have. I have central places now in my Google Drive folder with the book title where I put all of these ideas, themes, stories. I'm dumping it all in this area so that I can't lose it, right? So that I won't forget. The next step is I'm basically taking the summer. I'm not working at all this summer. And I'm going to go take these trips. And I might take some of them with my family. I might take some of them by myself. I might bring one of my kids and my two dogs. I don't know. But I'm going to start traveling this summer because I can't really write the book until I take these trips. But the other thing is that first trip, the one where I went to say goodbye to my childhood home, that's sort of like the beginning of this. So I am going to start doing some actual writing. But in the meantime, it's been a lot of organization because so many things have to happen sort of in tandem. You're creating a book proposal, then you're looking for an agent, hopefully, query letters and all kinds of stuff. But right now, it's just been sort of, what does this book want to be when it grows up? Like, what is this book about? And putting all of those loose threads in one central location so I can get organized. I truly unequivocally 100% believe it has to be right now. This felt like a great moment of convergence. The financial circumstances, the fact that I had enough repeat illness in the wake of COVID and laryngitis that it gave me this push to... um, It's one of those things where it's like, if you hadn't been forced to stop doing this, would you have just kept doing it forever? You know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, yes, the financial circumstances, but also the fact that my kids are 11 and 16 and I have the brain space now. I wrote a pretty funny essay about it when they were little and that night happened, but I didn't have it in me to do all of this. I wasn't doing this particular type of work in therapy. It feels like everything, without sounding like too cheesy and woo-woo, like everything in the universe sort of collided to make this moment. Here's the door. Open it. Walk through it. I do not think I could have done this five years ago or 10 years ago. And I feel like there were 20 different reasons why I couldn't have done it then. And all of those reasons are not here right now. You know, I sort of love it where it is. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Stephanie Springer is the co-host of the Mother Plus podcast, co-producer of the live storytelling show, Listen to Your Mother, writer and music therapist. She lives in Colorado with her husband, tween and teen daughters, and two beloved rescue dogs. You can learn more about Stephanie's writing and work in the show notes, including a link to her podcast, Mother Plus, I'll actually be a guest on her podcast soon, and I'll be sure to share that episode with all of you when it comes out via our newsletter. If you believe in our mission of documenting women's true stories, we invite you to join us on Patreon. We want you to be on our wall of flame. There are six tiers, so a level for every kind of supporter, and each one of them comes with its own perks. Check out the Patreon link in the show notes and join us. This episode and all of our work is supported by our incredible League of Women. At the end of 2022, we invited women leaders to help us expand and elevate this podcast. 
with their time, talents, and resources. Our league members include Freda Hertz-Brown, Carrie Ahern, Christine Shook, Sister Monica Clare, Dawn Rude, Elizabeth Dewar, Kara Pass, and Karen McNeil. This podcast is produced by me, Jamie Younger, and my husband, Pete Herkmans. Thanks so much for listening to If You Knew Me. We'll be back with you on May 1st. Thank you.